Hey guys, welcome to We Weren't Friends in High School, the podcast where I reunite with high school classmates from my graduating class of Wasaken High School in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I'm Brad Corbett, class of 2001. Thanks to everyone that checked out episode 229 with Zach Rowe. It was a nice accompaniment, I say that right, to episode 227 with his wife, Maria. And yeah, just two very different stories and interesting how they kind of come together in the end for really, um, I guess, over 20 years now. Um, So that is available in the archives everywhere you get podcasts and, of course, at YouTube.com slash RedshirtPlaya. That's where you can get that video and all the other videos. Follow the social media at we weren't friends in high school on Instagram and Facebook. And of course I am at red shirt player everywhere. This week, my guest is Jeff Pan. It's always interesting when I'm connecting with classmates for the podcast and I'm talking to them if they'd be interested. And, you know, I can't always take for granted that everyone knows about the podcast while I hear from so many classmates that do listen to uh, these episodes, there's still a good amount that have no idea that this thing is going on. So when I reached out to Jeff a few months ago, uh, Jeff was like, wait, what is this? And I sent him the, you know, the links to the show and, and he was just like, wow. So it was really cool to be able to connect with Jeff who, you know, this ends up kind of, you know, this kind of world of innovation and creation and, Um, out-of-the-box thinking um, really is in Jeff's wheelhouse with what he's doing today. Um, So a lot of what we talk about uh, at times is big picture stuff as far as, you know, the podcast and um, kind of Jeff's world and the way that he started thinking, but a very different style as I guess it's not as maybe linear as some of the previous episodes or maybe most of the episodes that Um, I do. But like I said, I always like to match the vibe of my guest. And this was a 12 hour time difference uh, between Jeff and I, who is in Singapore. And yeah, I was just really, really thankful that um, he was willing to do this podcast. And like, you know, I'm always nervous, like to take these new steps. So when I hear like, oh, man, he's out of the country, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to. And Jeff like answered my, my messages like right away. And um, just really, really cool connecting with Jeff and getting to actually know him for the first time. Because um, as we mentioned in this podcast, the two of us have never, ever talked. We don't have any memories of each other. Um, but, you know, this this podcast allowed us to kind of, uh, you know, start forming some sort of a, a connection that um, I'm glad I made because the way that he thinks is different than maybe I, I hear a lot of other people um, my age talk. So that is my, uh, I guess, intro to this and enjoy this conversation with Jeff Pan. Have you figured out, have you figured out what it is that resonates with all everybody? Cause something's working and I'm sure you've, you've toyed around with some of the formats, right? With the podcast, you know, I think, um, I think the, the recognizability of like people, like you said, like you love like scrolling through and like, yeah. I'll admit, I do think it looks like impressive if you have, if it's like a out of nowhere, like, Hey, this exists. You're like, Whoa, what? What is this? You're just seeing all the names and it's clicking. I think there's definitely that appeal. I think people love to relive the past retro or whatever. Nostalgia is is an in thing. 
Um, so I think whether we're talking about like what the clothes that used to wear or the shows that we used to watch or the sports or the news events or just the minor things of something that happened in blank class or whatever, I think that sort of thing is appealing, whether you lived it or you were just one of those kind of those stereotypes or archetypes that we talk about, you know, as far as being the cool kid or the nerd or the the athletic kid or the quiet one or you know, I think people react and go, oh, man, that was kind of like my that was kind of like my college or my high school time or that's what it was like for me growing up. It was so it was so binary back then, like you were either the cool kid or you weren't right. And when you would watch TV as a kid, like that, that was all there was. Right. Whereas now, I don't know, I watch some of the shows on Netflix yeah. and the, the kids are so woke that there's like there's like a segment. There's a niche for everyone. <laughs> like it's it, Honestly, it's, it seems like it's a much cooler place to be than when we're like teenagers. That was the reason why, you know, I think first and foremost, I didn't want this to be necessarily a thing about me. This is why I thought this was the way to do it was to talk more to people that I never really had those conversations with because yeah. I think we're, we're so far removed and we're in a time now where so many things that we used to think don't exist anymore. You know, just going back to like very early when I when I talked to Alea Bradshaw. And so much of what we were talking about as far as like just trauma and the things that our parents go through and how that affects how that treats us. And we maybe back then didn't know because our parents weren't into really for for everyone, at least weren't into talking yeah. about their feelings or making sure that you don't go down certain paths that they went through. They were just more reactionary if don't do this or or even worse type of reactions to the way you did things without exactly knowing why they were such a hard ass. And so many, um, you know, People have talked about just that type of relationship. Your cousin, uh, Brian Cho, talked about like his parents were like strict and, you know, having this this mahjong addiction where where kids would come over and that's where their friends. That's where his friends would come from, would be from their group of friends. And like he never really got to like the bottom or, and like this pressure of going to MIT. He never really got to the bottom of so much of like why his parents were like that. He can guess and and from where they came from and what they wanted for him and all that, but he never really had those. And he still has kind of like those fears of himself not being adequate. Yeah. Man, maybe, maybe you're just like a, you're like a, you're like the psychologist that we never had on all our deep, <laughs> deep rooted unresolved issues. But also to be fair, a lot of times people are psychiatrists for me as well. Like I, I get many yeah. a, a tip on like, Dude, you need to chill out. Don't let that bother you so much, you know. So it's it's yeah, yeah, it yeah. comes 50-50, I think. Nice. Um, yes, yeah, so I guess how how do you how do you typically do this? Do you how do you want to We're doing it already. So I would say like, you know, okay. so let's talk about you a little bit. You know, when did you come into Wizahicken? So I I moved from uh, Upper Marion. Um, so I came to the district right as the start of uh, at the start of the our freshman year, okay. Um, so I was like the new kid. Um, I remember I remember being really intimidating on the first day. You're, I think, what 13, 14 year old kid, yeah. And you know the lunch. I remember just the cafeteria being a really rowdy place, and I didn't know anybody. So, um, yeah. And then went to Penn State after um, after high school, and uh, a lot of things happened. And I live in Singapore now. So, wow. Um, yeah, but I think what was my what was my profile in high school? Um, so I was in, so I was in. Uh, 
uh, so I, I wasn't the, I was an okay student. Um, yeah. I played I played football. I, I wasn't I was average at a lot of things. Uh, it I was I got in, cut from the. Huh? In, it was in ninth grade that you started. Yeah, ninth grade. Um, Brian Brian was my cousin, so I, I had a little bit of I knew some people. Yeah, what what? How did you move? What was the reason that you moved actually from uh, Upper Marion to Wissahickon? So my mom my mom took a job in my mom took a job in in the region. Um, so I had moved from like New Jersey, um, and and obviously my my mom was part of that like mahjong club. So even when I was living in New Jersey, my mom would drive to Brian's house every Friday. So we'd spend the weekend. Oh wow! So, um, yeah, and, and the irony of it is that you know we, I. When we were kids living in New Jersey, I'd see Brian almost every other weekend. And then when I moved to Wissahickon for high school, I, I barely ran into him. Spo- right? Yeah, it come- spoiled it. Yeah, it was really weird. We didn't have any <laughs> classes together. We we didn't we didn't have any friend groups that that mixed or anything. Javier Marquis was probably my best friend in high school. Um, we used to hang out all the time. Um, when I was a one of the freshmen early on. I used to hang out a lot with like uh, Evan Wallace. Yeah, yeah. Um, Evan Evan was the first person that ever got me drunk. I think <laughs> we must have been like 15 years old or something. And you know, he 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 like walk he walked me through he walked me through how to drink vodka. He, you know, he he was like my he's like yeah here's have some water alternate. It's gonna hit you soon. You don't feel anything now. It tastes awful. Just just go with it, right? Um, yeah. And I, I remember I remember hearing about what happened to Evan. Um, couple years ago and i think i was the last person to find out that was pretty crazy um yeah when i was uh friends with bethany smith um towards like senior year and then i uh i was friends with her at penn state our freshman yeah. year obviously when when that happened um let's see who else was in my friend group and then um like brandon and Susie was yeah those were, were real close to them but again yeah like once once you go your separate ways it's tough to kind of keep in track with everybody so yeah did you when you were um before you got to Wissahickon were you like um were you like a popular kid like in your middle school in upper marion and and elementary school were you like a a popular kid were you like you know i often talk about like the group of the asian kids that i always felt were segregated from the rest of us and and all i kind of felt a lot of races mainly and football being yeah. one of the one of the integrators, I think, actually of race that like where people got much more of a mix of friends. But I always felt like throughout, th- did that exist like in Upper Marion where you'd have like just the group of the of the Asian kids, quote unquote, that did not mix when you yeah. would look in the halls? So that was actually a shock for me going to Wazakin. So I was actually always the only Asian kid in the entire school. Right. So New Jersey, like Upper Marion, I, I was the only Asian kid, right? So I think it was a bit of a shock when I came to Upper Marion and like there was a group of Korean kids and, and you know, like Aram Lee and those guys. So that was quite interesting to me. Um, but by that time, I'd always, I was, I'd already grown up and just kind of used to it. Um, so, you know, and I think I, my parents did a pretty good job of like assimilating pretty well. So, you know, I played football and basketball and stuff. So I think, I think that was, that was a key too. So sports obviously helped me, uh, let me blend in a little bit more. Yeah. And it's quite interesting. I don't know if you ever saw the movie um, Crazy Rich Asians. I haven't seen it on Netflix, right? Uh, I don't know if it's on Netflix or not. Uh, yeah, I think it is. But yeah. um, but it came out it came out a couple of years ago. And I remember watching it. And I must have been like 35 at the time. Mm. But I remember watching it and thinking like, 
that was actually the first time in my entire life that I'd ever seen like an, like an Asian male on TV. And he was just like a normal dude who was like, you know, who was like a strong male world model. I, I'd grown up and I'd never seen that ever. Right. And you just think about the, the stuff you'd see on TV and stuff. Yeah. So I remember just being, being really just amazed by that. Right. And if you think about just being a, being a black American as a kid, right. The kind of stuff that you'd see on TV now versus like the kind of content that's on now, it's, it's like day and night. Right. So, you know, you, you don't really, you kind of had to find that path yourself. Whereas I think now they probably have more defined niches, um, but at least you get a chance to sort of see what it, what it can look like. Right. So I think for us, yeah. a lot of where we came from is having to find that out on our own. That's interesting. Um, were your parents immigrants? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So they immigrated from Taiwan when they were like 19, 20. Um, so they were, they were pretty, they were pretty assimilated. Um, so yeah. Um, did um, you, did that change? No. So like, I think Rachel Kim talked about like par- uh, pressure from her parents to like, you know, wanting to, I guess, blend in more, not blend in, or I guess like more segregate or be or stay involved more with like the Asian kids in school. That was not her uh, preference. She dated, you know, an American boy and, and all that. Did you find once you got to Wizahickon and you're used to being the only Asian kid in your school and then you get to Wizahickon, was there pressure to, um, I don't know, I guess go more in that direction or, or find friends from that group or were you yeah, it was it was funny, right? So like, so I think I remember I remember trying to hang out with like the Korean, and I was I was too white for the for the Asian kids, and I was like too Asian for the white kids, right? So I was always kind of stuck in in the middle there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that was my experience. I often being biracial, right? I often felt like I, I wasn't like black enough to hang in the group of black kids, like in, in the cafeteria. And I was, and, and all the black kids would say I was, uh, I was too white or, and, and then all the white kids or, or the white kids would say like, I didn't even know you were black. You know, that's like the type of shit that I would hear in, in high school. Man, I, I didn't, I'm so sorry. I didn't even, I didn't even know that. What, it's that funny, I was biracial? Right? It's like, yeah, I didn't even know you were biracial, right? <laughs> um, you know, it's like, you have all these common identities, like, and just, we didn't, we never knew, right? It's funny. Like, there's a lot of things that there's a lot of things that I would actually go back to like my 18 year old self and, and say, or my 16 year old self and say that, you know, it took you five, 10 years to figure it out. Right. Did you play other sports um, besides football? Uh, football and basketball. Football yeah. and basketball. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so I remember, I remember being pretty good when I was a kid and then you, you get to high school and then all of a sudden like you're playing against the Earl Stouts and Steve Johnson's and then you realize, yeah, you know, this isn't going to work out. <laughs> Where are those guys? Wait, where are those guys, by the way? I have not heard uh, or seen Steve in a very long time. Uh, and I think Earl is in like the Ambler area still. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And like the George Cortez's and like those guys, like you just, yeah, I didn't stand a chance. <laughs> that's, that's, I never, uh, I was always too, way too intimidated to like get involved in a, because I, I would look from afar and just go, like I would see them go no fucking way, but you actually like went forward and at least like you went and tried out and made the team. Yeah. Freshman year, we, freshman year, we did okay. Uh, sophomore year, that's when I started getting stuck on the bench. And then by junior year, I was just like, that was it. Passed I, remember you by. Coming, I remember coming. Yeah. I remember coming home and 
you know, I'd grown up my life playing basketball. And I remember coming home and like crying for like two days. Uh, because you didn't was, make it. Yeah. And I look back now and I was just like, really? <laughs> but you're, you know, you're a 16 year old kid and like, that's your entire world. Right. And just, you just, I think that the thing I would go back on your teenage self is just like, listen, that world that you know now is like a fraction of like what your life's going to become. Yeah, but you're right. It is everything, right? Like, again, I only know like TV shows, like for reference for things like that, since I didn't do it. But at least, you know, I did do like, I did like musicals and that would be the one thing I would do every year in the spring. And I know like in the, in the winter, you'd have to audition and I'd be like, fuck, all right, got to know my parts, got to have this down, got to get better with my dancing. Yeah. You know, and that's the other thing too, like doing, doing, doing like musicals was not like a cool thing to do. Right. But like now, uh, like in college, I ended up, I ended up like doing it in like, now I watch Hamilton. I'll, I'm sitting there playing the soundtrack on a loop for like three weeks straight. I mean, it's like, it's so, it's such a shame. Cause like, there's all these things that you're told that are not cool to do when you're a kid and you just, you just block it out. You miss out on all these opportunities. Yeah, it was always one of those things that like I did them since eighth grade and I was always like I was always one of the few guys or uh, since sixth grade. Sorry. And I was one of the guys in middle school. It's like maybe two guys, maybe three guys would be in the musical every year. And that like you said, that would be the thing where guys would go up, not musicals. <laughs> and for me, that was like literally the only thing I could do. So I was like every year it was kind of like, right, like I'm, I'm going to go on musical rehearsal and. I would go and you like you're killing yourself, but like it wasn't anything I felt like I could like brag about. Yeah, I remember I remember being 17 and like Javier came into football practice one day and he said, "Yeah, just I'm, I'm quitting the team." I'm like, Dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, you can't quit the team. He's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna do ballet instead, right?" And so he he quit the football team to do ballet, which at the time was crazy, right? But he ended up he ended up being one of the only guys in like ballet right he got a scholarship to you know the university of arts doing that yeah right so but just you're you're such a dumb kid that like you only will do what is like the cool thing to do did you did you look yeah. at yourself as like a as like a cool kid or anything like that did you think you fit into any of those notches or did you just look at yourself as a as a dumbass that <laughs> <laughs> was a dumbass we're all dumbasses um but I think, I think it was fun. It was fun going off to college and, you know, you, you eventually that's where you sort of find your niche and you understand a little bit about yourself, you know, and then you go off into the real world. So. Well, when yeah. you were, when you were growing up, what were you, um, besides sports, like what were you actually into? What did you like to do? Like when you were in your free time or when you're with your friends, what, what kind of stuff were you playing or. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I think, um, I, I think it's quite interesting. Like you're, I think who I became as adult was, was fairly evident when I was, a. Uh, when I was a teenager, right? Um, so, so my my senior year of high school, I actually got in trouble because I, I was they found out I was cutting class. Um, to it, I had I had actually enrolled in at Montco. Yeah. Um, and I was taking computer science courses. Um, and I think they, they found out and they they kicked me out. <laughs> they kicked me out of Montco. Um, but I was always kind of like a weird kid. I was always kind of a hustler. I was always trying to think of a big thing. And, and it's, you know, I ended up becoming like a tech startup uh, kind of person. Um, so I, I think it was, it, it was, I think I, I didn't know it at the time, but a lot of the things that I was doing was, was very indicative of who I'd become as an adult. So, so wait, you, you enrolled at Monco Community College yeah, while you were for... in, while you were in high school, 
to take classes yeah, I, on your own in computer science without anyone knowing. Yeah, I got away. With that. I mean, my parents didn't know. Yeah. I Why did you do this? For, for a bit. Because <laughs> we didn't have, yeah. It's just and whose right? idea was that? Um, Who told you to do that? So that's the interesting thing, thing too, right? Because my parents at that time were divorced, right? So, you know, my grades took a huge, uh, huge dive in like my sophomore, junior year when that happened. So I was kind of on my own, right? Um, and I was always trying to like hustle and, and figure stuff out. So I had a lot of, so I think the silver lining of the, of my parents' divorce was that it helped, you know, me figure out my path a little uh, faster than normal. Um, and I don't know, I always enjoyed building stuff. Um, I don't know if you remember like those TI-83. TI-83s, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if they still have those, but always loved like yeah, they're writing still around. stuff on that. Um, were you doing games or were you doing, were you, were you writing other types of other things? Yeah, it was, it was just writing games and stuff. And, and I wish I would have pursued it even heavier than I, than I did back then. But yeah, so there's always this desire to like build stuff, um, you know. And so now, now my role is obviously the, the same thing. So, turned it into a profession. So, who tells you though? Like, hey, Jeff, there's these classes you can take, and if you just ditch out periods like two through four, you can make it at Monco. <laughs> the what? same, the same, the same voice that tells you to do a podcast, right? <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's a labor of love. It's a labor of you exploring what interests you, right? That's um, wild. Yeah. Were, were you playing video games as a kid? Like yeah, what, what's, man. is that what's, is that what sparked? That's because Brian talked a lot about like having that interest and that part pushing him more into the tech world and going from like loving video games and wanting to know more about video games to wanting to know about how these things work behind that. Is that, was yeah, that like was, similar it, for you? Dude, it was so unhealthy, man. I, I remember <laughs> just like waking up and just like playing video games. Or, and just like at eight o'clock, ah, that's fine. When we're eight thirty, nine o'clock, nine thirty, and I'd be like, ah, fuck it. I feel like I'm in school today. That was unhealthy, man. Yeah. Wow. What um, yeah. what video games were you playing? Man, I used to play. What was it? Un Unreal Tournament. Um, I don't even know what that is. What is on that the, on the PC? Yeah, it was, it was one of those first-person shooter games. Um, and like NBA Live and stuff like that. And like men, it was just so unhealthy, dude. Yeah, at least at least I at least I figured out how to harness it from like playing it to trying to figure out how to like make it right. When you went to, I mean, a lot of times I would ask like, did anyone help you harness this, or did you know what that meant from any like from for a career perspective, or as you're going through high school, you're like, oh, I'm into video games, but I mean, you went to Monka, which is kind of you know you thought of that, I guess you just wanted to do that, so that's kind of like half answers the question, but from the Wizahick side, did you ever see anything that was like, oh, this is how I go about doing it, or here's something else maybe that I could do? No, I think that that's the really sad part. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't have, you know, I had immigrant parents, so they obviously don't know how to navigate, you know, your 20s. So you, you had to figure that out a lot on your own. And I, I, th I look back now and I, I mean, if, I don't know, I'm sure you've run into like parents that like, you know, they, they, they super successful. They know how to like manage their kids, like pads and give them the freedom, but also like give them good advice. Yeah. Um, Been there, done that. I don't any of that all. <laughs> yeah, man. Like when I, I remember going off to college, like I, I only applied to like two schools, right. Cause I didn't know you're supposed to apply to like tons of them. I didn't really study hard for this. Like just all these like things I didn't prepare well for. Um, yeah. It, 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 yeah. 
right? Didn't didn't take the right major in college, all this stuff. But you know, eventually you figure it out. You make up for lost time. So, did you have uh, brothers or sisters? Uh, I had a little sister, but she was uh, she was like eight eight years younger than me. So she oh, actually wow. went to a different school, and she went went to go live with my mom. So you were you were kind of blazing the blazing the path of figuring it out for the first time, like navigating the American education system. Yeah, yeah, it's the immigrant experience. Plus, uh, yeah, so yeah, so it's okay. I had, I had, I had Evan Wallace and Javier Marquis to help me navigate my adulthood. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, it's a phenomenal thing because I remember, like, I remember, like, I remember hanging out with Javier, and I remember, like, Nicole Marquis. And yeah, if if you would have told me at that point that Nicole Marquis would have done like what she did, there is zero way. There is, there is like, like if if Jess Davis is on this end of the spectrum, I was like, oh yeah, I could see that. Nicole Marquis was on the absolute opposite end of that spectrum on like, like those, incredible. well, those are the things that I amaze about just like, and it's funny you say that, like you, you didn't have, you never could have guessed. And those are the things that I look and I go, you know, it's in certain people. Cause I marvel, I go, we went to the same school. Like, how is she so, but like you said, right? Like I think everyone's experience whether whether someone can tell them what what happens or not you're still kind of learning on the go and i think it's just the people with the guts to to push forward and go all right i might mess up on my first restaurant but that'll help me for my second or third or or my or my uh you know my my franchise or yeah she was definitely she was definitely a dreamer too so that was that was i just didn't think that she'd be able to just pull it off and and just I'm so amazed, actually. At what it's very doing. impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are they actually, I, I didn't see, I haven't really clicked through all the other ones. Have there been other like crazy stories that have come out of this? Um, of like, of like successes and stuff or like business stuff? Not, not even just successes, but just like things in which the outcome was completely unexpected from the information that we had at the time when we were teenagers. Annette Piatek, uh, I don't know if you remember her. Uh, she like works for like the state department, like getting refugee with like refugees all over the world and like life threatening, you know, going to refugee camps where rebels are trying to, are taking over the area and, um, she's providing aid. Yeah. Was there anything in her story about her high school when you were interviewing her that connected that dot? Well, she was, uh, she, her parents, uh, she came from Poland with her parents. They were political refugees, uh, I think, when she, right. was, when she was very, very young. Um, and that was always an interest of her. But she wasn't like, an, she wasn't any type of, of academic superstar. She was like a B student, right. but she always wanted to do it. She didn't get accepted to any of her colleges uh, that she applied to, but she, but she still got into like a great school and, and there was no job for her and she couldn't find anything out of college. So she took an internship and she worked yeah. that into a, a position that they created. And like, she just kind of kept grinding and grinding uh, for, you know, 10, 10 years or whatever, until she finally got into the system. Good for her. Yeah. You're Good actually, you're in, you said you're in Singapore. Yeah. I'm in Singapore now. So um, you're the second international interview that I've done. Hers being the first, uh very cool yeah <laughs> yeah so um yes yeah, so it's pretty cool um so uh, so yeah so i before singapore i was living in myanmar um i don't know if you've read about that in the news so mm-hmm. i was there for a couple of years um myanmar was where like they had a military coup and they completely took over the government okay um so, yeah so i built a company there and then it, it 
disappeared overnight. Uh, before that, I was wow. living in Amsterdam. Um, and then before that, in London. And then I spent my 20s in New York. So did you travel yeah, all these? Did you travel growing up? In, in like, I didn't as a kid. I, I, I didn't. I didn't actually even, you know, you don't, you don't exactly, you don't exactly, I look at the kids that go to school here and, you know, they're, they're in a school with like a hundred nationalities. Honestly, even like as early as like five years ago, I probably couldn't even have pointed to Singapore on a map. Right. Um, so I didn't, I, I didn't have that at all growing up. Um, but I think there was always that desire. Right. Um, but when I was, when I was, when I graduated from Penn state, I, I graduated um, a couple years early. I spent the time just kind of backpacking um, around the world. And, and I think that was what opened up my eyes. Um, and yeah, it, it sparked that, that creative, you know, juice. Um, and then, and then I spent my twenties. Um, do, do you know what a hostel is? No. What or where? Uh, oh, I know, what, know a what a hostel, hostel is? is. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. So I spent my twenties actually building hostels um, around like the U S and, and like Europe and, and Asia. Wow. Um, sold the company. Yeah, I sold the company. So, but I turned that love of like travel into like a to a career. Um, wait, wait. You said was, you was, sold the company, meaning you started this company? Yeah, I started. I started. I started with like six rooms. Um, so I was in New York City. I must have been like twenty-two. There was like an old brownstone in Brooklyn. I had like six thousand dollars in cash. It was just enough for like the the first month. Like built all the IKEA furniture myself. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. I remember like crying myself to sleep. I, you know, I, I totally get like the hardest part is like the zero to one, right? Like when you think about like your first 10 podcasts or like your first 20 video podcasts, it's hard because you're, you know, you don't see any traction. You don't see any progress. You don't get any positive feedback. Um, but yeah, stuck, stuck with it. And then over like 10 years, 12 years, it ended up going to a thousand rooms, um, thousand rooms and like 80, 80 employees. Um, and just, grinded it out um and i remember having to like clean the rooms myself just and and the really cool story is that um you know i was always frustrated with the software that i was using for the for the hotel and then turned that into like a software company and then that software company like scaled to 41 countries that that company uh ended up getting acquired um like hotels like i don't know like hotel, yeah, like software? hotel software. Yeah. So I went from building hotels to building hotel software. Um, and then I don't know if, have you ever heard of booking.com? Yes. Yeah. So then, so then I went from building hotel software as a startup to building hotel software for booking.com. Right. Um, and uh, that was super cool. And then, and then all of that experience, because I was grinding it out every single day and I knew like all the ins and outs, about a year ago, I got a call from, I can't say the name, but it's a space company based in Texas. Sure. Um, owned by a certain person that you read a lot about news, but they actually reached out to me and they said, hey, you know, like we, we have this certain problem that we need to fix. Um, we need software to manage um, all of our reservations, logistics for our travel for our employees. They called me out, um, flew out there um, and, and built like a system for, yeah, for the space company. It was pretty cool. Um, but it was all that, it was all that hard work. Yeah, it was all that hard work from like, just kind of like what you're doing now is just like trying to figure out how things work and just accelerating and trying to figure out how to do it differently. Wow. That's yeah. But that, I, that's like, wild. That's like, I mean, that's okay. 
I have so many questions. So what did you actually go? So you went to Penn State. You said you only looked at two schools. Was that one of them? Uh, Penn State and Drexel just, it just, I didn't, I didn't know that you only, back then I only applied to schools where like, I knew like one kid who happened to go to that school. Um, Penn State was, was one. Yeah. Penn State was one that I got into. Did and you I actually go- got rejected. I actually, I actually got rejected from Penn State. Right. And the only reason that I got into Penn State was because like my neighbor, my next door neighbor, I don't know, happened to have like a successful tech company and I was interning at his startup and he, he did, he did one of those like phone calls into the, into the somebody in admissions and, and they, they reaccepted me. So that was a, that was the huge inflection point on my life because otherwise, I don't know, I wouldn't have gone to my, like my dream school at the time. Um, yeah. What was your major? Cause you said you I selected the wrong major. Uh, at Penn State, I, I did like entrepreneurship. Um, I didn't really learn anything. I don't know if you look back on your university. I didn't learn a single thing, right? Um, but I think it's cool. You, you meet a lot of the people that you, you know, that, that have a big influence on your life, right? It's a lot like high school. Um, but it was pretty cool because I, I graduated in two and a half years because I took double the amount of classes. Um, Why? And then use that. I don't know. I was just, I was just, a, was just the way my mind worked even as a kid, right? Um, yeah. And I was always like trying to figure out how to accelerate things and try to be a hustler. Right. Um, but then yeah, use that extra time to kind of travel the world. So that, so I guess what kind of blows my mind is you were telling that story of your progression from what seems to be like construction to building, building software. I mean, mean, look, these, these hands, these hands, these hands were never meant to build anything. Look, no, when I say building hotels, I mean like building the business and like running it. So yeah, I, trust me, I never laid a single uh, nail on the, on the wall. Okay. So where is your, so you took computer science classes at Monco. Where does your skill set get good enough to when you're, to like you're building a business, but then you just start saying, I'm going to build software now for the hotel because I hate the software so much. Yeah, so that's thing, right? I wish, yeah, so I wish I, I, I wish I would have taken like studied computer science or computer engineering when I was in university, but I didn't, right? But I learned, I learned how to build, run a company, and I learned how to build software the same way that you learned how to do podcasts. You start by actually just doing it, right? It's not like you went to podcasting school. I right? actually you, kind you, of did a little oh, bit. Yeah, oh, you did. Sort of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything oh, I'm so like, I, everything I'm kind of doing now is like, okay. is, is, is a buildup of like everything that I've been doing since college from even just like learning to kind of how to segment a certain amount of things in a certain amount of time and even basic yeah. editing skills of audio and video. And I just, it, it changes the, the utility changes from a camera to a whatever to now it's on a disc or whatever, but the general principle, once you get there and you're just controlling it is the same. I've always, that's what I've kind of been best at. So, yeah. So I guess I was always really good at trying to like taking something and then just breaking it down into smaller steps and just going with it. Um, but you can learn anything, right? Um, bullshit. There's no podcasting. There's no no master class. There's no master class in the like early two thousands. Well, yeah. Now there, there literally is a master yeah. class. But if you think about it, it's a, it's a progression on, it's a series of progressions on like trying different things, right? Like, you know, 
anybody can sit down and do a podcast now, right? But then you sort of figure, but then once you do enough, you sort of get this, these data points on what works and what doesn't, right? So for example, like, have you figured out know, which views get your most hits yes. or most views or whatever? Yeah. Right. So, so, so you start getting these feedbacks on, on what works and what doesn't, right? So you start sort of doing this testing, you start doubling down on what doesn't work. And then you, you know, you, you start learning how to like run Instagram ads to like drive that growth. Um, you know, and you, you start talking with other podcasters and you sort of just start this giant loop and on that just helps accelerate that. Right. But you always just try to think about how you can do what you're doing better. And there's this continuous drive that, pushes you every day, but you'll never get past that first, you know, that mm-hmm. zero to one, if you don't have that labor of love, right? Like nobody told you to do this podcast. Right. Right. Yeah. It was just one of those things that I had to do or else I'd, I would hate if someone else, it got to the point I'd hate if someone else came out with a, with a podcast like this, I would go, shit, I was thinking about this for two years and then someone else did it. But nobody, nobody told you to do this, right? It, it, it was you, yeah. right? And eventually you're going to figure, you're going to end up doing a lot of these things that you're going to learn, end up learning a lot of things that nobody ever taught you how to do, right? Well, I guess the intimidating thing is like the the how, right? So are you saying that you're self-teaching yourself how to use these tech? It's the technical how that that is the, the hold up for me, right? So it's like, I would love to be better at um, animation and uh, 3d and, and things like that, which there are programs for, but I've yet to, I guess, dedicate that time or now there's videos to, to truly like immerse yourself so you can do it. But how would, how does someone like, like, do you already have a little bit of that basis from Montgo? Were you always just tooling with it because you went from your TI 83 to, okay, now here's a new way to program stuff like on my on my calculator, but now I'm doing it on my PC and you've just got that base knowledge and you keep plugging in and plugging in and trial and error in that way. Is that like the technical, how is that how you started? Like, because you had a little bit of it in high school. It, it wasn't, it was never because of a class that I took. it was always just your own, just taking that plunge on that first step. You know, your first podcast is going to be awful, right? Your first program that you write is always going to be awful but but how do you even know how to do that i guess is like 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 the literal technical how like are you like this is the program like how do you even learn that you don't you 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 literally go forward and you you fail right and and honestly it's you know i've I've built a lot of companies and honestly your 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 chances of success are correlated directly with like how fast you can fail and how fast you can Mm -hmm. fail And, and if you can build in if you can build in that mechanism to just fail constantly like it, it works right so if you think about podcasting if you think about what you're doing right now right you're let's say allocating i don't know two hours a week three hours a week for that it's not a lot of time at all it's not a big time commitment you know it, it could this could very easily be like one happy hour that you have with your friends but instead you're doing it you know you're, you're doing this it's more right? and, it's, it's and, definitely more sadly much more time than that i wish but but i get your point <laughs> That's okay. It's productive, right? And it compounds. It compounds over time. And like yeah. honestly, it's it's going to be really amazing seeing if you if you if you continue this, where it's going to be like in a year, in two years, right? You know, um, I don't know if you're familiar in Singapore. There's a guy. Uh, I think his name like. Have you heard of like Nas Nas Daily or Nash Daily or something? No. Nash, that kind of Nash, sounds Nash Daily. Nas Nas Daily. Anyway, he was a content creator, and now he he raised the $11 million series a to create a school for content creators. Right. But he started up just 
like wow. doing small videos. Yeah. yeah. Favorite class in high school. Um, favorite class. Uh, I think they called it like social lab when we were seniors. Is that Mr. Ferentino? Yeah. Yeah. Social lab. Um, is I think that, it was cool just because you, you took an internship or something. Yeah. I was going to say, is that the class where you leave and go take classes at Monco for the, for, for yeah, the afternoon? So, right. <laughs> right. So I think he, so I think he was the one that, he was the one that caught me. He was like, Hey, you know, you're not going to your, your internship, you know, and, and he should have failed me. He's like, he's like, listen, you're, you're, I'm pulling you out right now. And, and then they, they parked me at the middle school uh, and they made me go down to the middle school every day to like, I don't know, to help one of the teachers or something. But yeah, that was that was true. He was the one that caught me. <laughs> God bless. I hope he's I hope he's still teaching or still alive. But he was a he was a I don't know. He, he knew seniors were there just to like buy their time. Damn, that's a great story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he he called me up and he's like, "Yeah, how's your how's your uh, internship going?" I was like, "Yeah, it's, it's going great. I'm learning a lot." He's like, "Yeah, I just I just called them. They haven't seen you in in months." <laughs> Yeah, I think he was, but I think he was, and just his reaction was, I think he just deals with it all the time. So, yeah, kids, right? Dumbasses, yeah. as I as I alluded to earlier. Yeah, we were all dumbasses. What was your intern? Well, yeah. What was your internship supposed to be? It was with that that tech startup in like Plymouth Meeting or something. It was my next door neighbor's tech startup, and that that weird chance was uh, it was the reason I got into Penn State. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's it's about creating serendipity right mm. um you know a lot of like what you do is creating serendipity like somewhere along the lines like you're going to do a podcast and then you're going to connect your dots and then it's going to accelerate and lead to something else but you know um i don't know it's i call it creating serendipity right so every startup that i've ever had every company i've ever had there were a few moments where you meet someone a conversation has you connect the two dots and you know um it leads to something else. So like my one, and I was in Singapore for a tech conference and I had one of those little startup booths and this guy came by and was really interested and we kept in touch over the years and he was the one that ended up you know, buying my, my software company, right? Um, so it's all these little little bits and pieces and these little yeah. paths that cross that, that lead to something else. Wow. Um, yeah. Did you in, did you date in high school? Who did I date? I dated uh, Amy Amy Taylor. Yeah, I remember she. I think yeah. she switched schools. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say I don't. I, I remember her from middle school, and I don't remember her much. I mean, I knew her because I knew her in middle school, but I can't remember her much in high school. I remember she left at some point. Yeah. Uh, who else? Uh, I did. Brandon McQuaid was actually my first was my first girlfriend. I, I think we last for like a couple days, right? Um, <laughs> like locker, locker, uh, locker girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, who else? Uh, yeah, I didn't really have many girlfriends in the second. Yeah, I think I was still in my awkward phase that when I was a teenager. Yeah, I was definitely um, in that, and I. That's why I always ask that question because when your friends are, you know, like I didn't have friends that were dating, so it wasn't like a thing. But like you know, Javier had a girlfriend, and and I assume you hung out. You know, being on the football team, you've got like friends that are like in pretty, you know, in kind of in those dude, waters. 
Yeah, I think honestly, it's the scariest when you're a 15 year old kid and you've got like acne and like even just talking to a honestly, it is like the scariest thing you could possibly do. Um, I was, oh, Kelly, Kelly Martin. I think she was a year below us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, what were you watching? Right. What were you watching growing up? Uh, safe, just saved by the bell every single day. It's yes. just, honestly, you know what you, you, I look, I watch some of that stuff now and it's so cringy. It's bad. It didn't, yeah. Even like, even stuff that came out recently, a couple years ago, stuff like super bad yeah. or like American pie, like it did not age well. Right. So even the kids, like, I don't know, a, a half generation ago grew up even shittier role models. Right. Um, yeah. Maybe, 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 the, you know, like Reed Hoffman for masters of scale does like this cool story. And then he ties into like, Maybe like each podcast, you could start with like a shitty role model that we had when we were kids. You know what had a really negative effect on me was like was like Zach Morris. Like it, it wasn't cool. Like it was cool to be a slacker. It was cool to like like bully other kids. It was not cool to like you know if you like band do band. If if you like robotics do robotics that actually was a really negative force on, on all these things. And like, it, it, that was, yeah, that was probably, that's my like story to relate to. Right. But see, you did full, you did football and you did like Zach would have, Zach would have never pushed himself to, to learn. like, Zach didn't have any side Listen, skills. I would have, I went to Bayside. I would have, I would have been the kid that would have been doing Zach's homework so he could stay on the football team. Right. Like, just that's the thing. Zach didn't do football. Zach didn't do like Zach didn't have any like real skill. Anything that Zach was good at, they made up for that episode. It was just like all of a sudden after four years, Zach is really good at singing and he's in a band. And it's like, wait a minute. Like that's it's, that's never been. An, Zach didn't have interests. His interests were Kelly Kapowski and making money. That was about yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 that's funny. Yeah, Zach made fun of the band. Zach, even I think the one thing Zach really did was Zach. Um, Zach did track. That, right. Zach, Zach did. Uh, there was an episode where Zach was on the track team. That's like the one. We need to, we need to track down the original writers of Saved by the Bell and get them on the show and and talk to them about all the psychological damage they did to millions of kids. <laughs> like fuck this all up. Nineties. <laughs> Our shortcomings in life are because of you. What about movies? Were you what, what movies were you into in, in high school? You mentioned like American Pie. Did you have a, a favorite movie from that era of the late nineties? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think what, what was what was coming out around that time? I think it was like American Beauty, American Pie. American Pie, also. yeah. Um, we yeah. were like, you know, the Scream. I know what you did last summer era. Yeah. All those, those movies were like twenty year olds were were playing teenagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just gave such an unrealistic expectation of, of high school, right? Yeah. Even I think they still actually do that. I was watching um, Never Have I Ever, and I was looking up the IMDb's, and some of them are like thirty years old. Well, see, that's how it used to be, and I felt like that was like when when the Jennifer Love Hewitts and the Nev Campbells. It's like okay, well, at least they're like twenty four. Because <laughs> like you know, Saved by the Bell and 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 Nine Hundred Two and Zero, like those guys at the, by the end were like thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. What about uh? What about um, music? What kind of music were you into? What did I listen to? Um. Oh God, I think I just 
listen to whatever was considered cool at the time. I remember, I think seventh, eighth grade, it was like Green Day. Uh, well, what started coming on when we were in high school? I can't even uh, think back that far. I think like, you know, for me, I was into like, I was like, uh, Eminem was really big. The Marshall Mathers LP. Um, yeah. Oh, Dr. Dre, The man. Chronic 2001. That's right. I remember there was a kid. Who was that kid? Uh, Jens Pinter. Yeah. Jens. Whatever happened to him? Uh, I think he's living in like a in a forest commune out in out in California. Or yeah, like that. he'd be a really fun because he was, you know, he was cool because sorry, he was he was cool because he was like the one kid who, like, very clearly didn't care about what anybody else thought, right? Right. He had the cheetah hair. Yeah. He dyed his hair like a like a, yeah. like a <laughs> leopard or a cheetah, right? Yeah. Before before swimming yeah. meets. Yeah, he was very clearly somebody who like who just knew who he was like from an early age. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Did you listen to music with Jens? Was that where you were going with that? Yeah, I remember I used to sit with him at lunch uh, every day in like sophomore year or something. Yeah, Eminem was big then. Yeah, Eminem. Uh, I think like TLC No Scrubs was was real big. Yeah, when we... <laughs> yeah. it's funny. Uh, it's funny too because when you say because when you say some of these songs, like it, it actually takes me back to a specific moment. Yeah. Uh, in time, right? So like, I remember you know tlc no scrubs or yeah tlc no scrubs and then i remember listening on on a loop on the cd with evan wallace in his like blue uh he had like a giant truck uh, there was another one like no pigeons yeah no pigeons sporty thieves yeah yeah but it, it takes me back to that specific moment when i was 16 i'm listening to that song on a loop and like that was how a pigeon is a girl was... who thinks she's fly <laughs> and is also yeah. known as a yeah yeah yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, every song you can, what was it like? No diggity or something? Yeah, no diggity. Yeah, Black Street. Yeah, yeah. All these songs come back to a very specific moment in time. Yeah, it's funny. So you get into Penn State kind of by this this stroke of luck, and your uh, you said it was entrepreneurship that was your your major. Yeah, it was one of those. Uh, it was kind of like social lab where you kind of just create your own major. Um. um what was I mean, it, it wasn't I just you just cobbled together you just cobbled together the easiest classes and then uh, I was I was optimizing for how to graduate in the shortest amount of time possible okay all right which you ended up doing two and a half years so um what was your I guess like what was that like then moving to Happy Valley right I mean you mentioned that your parents had gotten divorced so were you were you living like with your uh with just one parent or were you going in between houses or yeah I was living with one parent um you know I think I think by that time I was already pretty independent um so I think I I, I thrived in I think I thrived in college right it was a, it was a great environment you sort of meet all these people you you know you realize that the world exists beyond Wissahick in high school and the 200 kids that you, right. you know, lived in your neighborhood um, yeah, it was a great, it was a great experience for me. Um, and then obviously it just accelerated from there. So, yeah. Um, you mentioned Bethany and you, that you were friends with her. And of course you both went to, to Penn state. Um, can you talk about like, I don't know, and you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. Um, but you know, we're, we're yeah. so young, you know, I, one of the big, big parts of this show is I've talked a lot about Ray um, and Ray dying uh, senior year and that being my best friend and, and just 
one of the hardest things, you know, Pam Lacey, who was really good friends with Ray when, when he passed and, you know, being such, we're just kind of like dumb young kids who don't know how to handle our emotions. And, you know, it certainly affected me that I don't think I realized until years later, like, oh, wow, it was probably kind of compensating for that loss at being 17, 18 years old, losing a friend. You're dealing with it, you know, just months later um, at Penn State. Can you talk a little bit about that if you want to? Um, Yeah, I remember. So I remember a couple things from that. So I remember Bethany Bethany was living on like the other side of the campus where like like the older kids like there was a freshman dorm so so I remember that um, having an effect and then I also remember that she I also remember distinctly that she she kept hanging out with a certain crowd from our high school um, which you know I I don't know why right. Um, I don't know. She was, she was someone that had the whole future. I mean, you know, she was, she was beautiful. She was smart. You know, she had a whole future ahead of her. And for some odd reason, like she, she stayed attached to this weird crowd um, from our high school, a couple of kids, kids that were over this. Um, you know, yeah, I don't know. In a different universe, you know, things happen differently. And, you know, she's, I don't know, who knows what she would have been up to, but I remember those two things. Um, was that she was she was kind of separate, so she she wasn't in the whole, she didn't get the full freshman experience, and uh, I don't know, I just I just remember bumping into her sometimes on campus, and it'd be like you know these weird kids from our high school, so yeah, it was tough. Um, I I also remember I guess the other thing I remember too, and I don't know if you it happened with you or Ray, but there was there was like a few hours where you're in complete denial of I remember I remember. The, the morning it happened, Brianna actually called me. And, you know, she said, hey, Bethany's dead. And I remember, like, it, it actually took me a while. I was like, oh, okay, let me just go over to her dorm room and just check up on her. Like, I, I don't know, you're just a kid, right? You've never dealt with death before. Um, and, and I remember being in denial on it not actually have happened. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. That was, that was what I remember from it. It was a while ago. Yeah, I I remember um, we used to we would hang at Ray's house, and I think then it was just kind of like I don't know what else to do. I don't know where else to go. You know, almost like that expectation, yeah. like if you if you hang there, like things might change, and he'll come walking in or something. Yeah. Like you know, yeah, it's it's almost like a video game where you just okay, well, I guess well, let me just restart and I'll get into life. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, waiting for the reset. This is where I need to be. Yeah. So when the reset happens, things will go back right right back into place. And I'll know right away that, you know, we're starting a new yeah. game. And then that moment never comes. And then it sort of just hits you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is a shame, right? Like, you know, we, we didn't, like, honestly, you and I would have been really great friends in high school. And I don't think I... I did, never I, never talk. Yeah. Yeah, right. Don't feel bad. It it and happened. It, yeah. <laughs> it happened with everybody. Right? And and the, the irony of it is I remember um I remember Dan Cassidy's father passed away. And I think like the whole school went, right? Like, you know, it was just like you have this whole world of this community at your fingertips and none of us ever scratched it beyond like five like the kids sitting next to you in that class. 
yeah, it almost took a, it took a tragedy for like you to, to be able to see, you know, that community that you belong to in a, in a sense of that we're all kind of in this school, in this world together. Yeah. 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 So thanks for, thanks for, thanks for bearing that uncomfortable truth. I mean, that's it. We, none of us know. And that's, that's what's so interesting about looking back is none of us know how to handle our emotions. You know, I think we all think we're doing, we're just doing the best we can in reality, but we all think I've got a grip on this. And I definitely think, you know, with so many things, I thought I had a grip on, on my reality and my life. And then I look back and I go, Oh my God, I can't believe like I, I handled things like this for like four years. Like that's clearly denial or, you know, like, and, and, and nowadays, it's just things I go, I would never allow myself to go down those those paths of treating myself like that. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you have kids? Nope. I'm, uh, I'm still single. I'm still no kids. Yeah. Do you too? No, I think honestly, uh, I'm, uh, I'm in a relationship with no kids or anything. Yeah. Honestly, I think it's it's pretty cool. I hope, I, honestly, I hope the effect of this, of the podcast is, you know, for all the kids that went to school listening, is that they'll they'll recognize this and sort of help instill it in their kids, like to, you know, bring over the friend from your class that you don't really talk to over for dinner or something. Um, or, Hey, it's okay. If you want to do musical or you don't have to do football. Right. Zach talked about with football, the effect that being on a losing team has on you. And then it helps you deal with stuff at like a, or much earlier in age and like kind of deal with adversity. Do you see things the same way? Or are you like, this sucks? I'm, I'm actually, st- I, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm actually still scarred from football because um, I like, I remember getting picked. I, we had some shitty, shitty human beings for coaches. I remember like me and Javier used to get just picked on ruthlessly by the coaches. Like, cause you, you know, you're watching, you're watching film. You're, you're a 16, 17 year old kid. And I remember just like the coaches would just like yell at you and just like bully you. Oh, it was, it was so traumatizing, man. Um, and you can just see like the, just, uh, oh, it was, it, it's that, I actually still think about it sometimes to this day. Like, you know, wow. I, I'm a 17 year old kid, you know, you're, you're in, everybody's watching the film of like the game. And I remember the coach just being like, man, you suck. It's a shame. Everybody has to like, like pay for your mistakes. Holy fuck, man. Like you're saying this to like a 16, 17 year old kid. Like, oh man. Yeah. It's, a, I, I hope that, I hope that culture has, has changed. And also like, there's such a macho culture too. Like that was right before like kids starting dying during like the two a days camps, but we used to just like run sprints until like we'd fall over. Uh, you know, you, you, there was this drill where you would just, they would blow a whistle and you just smash into people. Like, what is that? Yeah, I was gonna say it's like that masculine, like toxic masculinity, machismo. Yeah, so toxic. Yeah, and and that's what I mean. I think it's still like that with sports in general, um, pro sports, college sports, uh, high yeah. school sports, and and I think even in different parts of the country, worse. You know, the Midwest high school football is probably way tougher. That movie Varsity Blues, right, with yeah. James Vanderbeek and John Voight. Uh, that's James exactly the balding 35 year old. Yeah. 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 I don't want your life. Yeah. Paul well, Walker. Actually sent me a link. Yeah. Somebody said, I don't know. Did you, did you have like, do you remember Tim Miller? Yeah. 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 Tim Miller. Yeah. The coach looked like Howie Long. Yeah. So apparently, right. So apparently, um, so apparently he's a full-time professional hypnotist now. Yes. 
Yeah, he travels the, yeah. the country with his wife. Yeah, that, sorry people. that that that's on the on the spectrum of whoa! Didn't see that coming. Well, Jeff, they never won a game. I mean, at some point, you've got to <laughs> you've got to go for a career change. Yeah, at, yeah, at some yeah. point, this is not this is not what you're cut out to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess he figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! Yeah. So when you when you graduate in two and a half years, um, that's when you decide what is the thing that made you. I mean, you said you didn't really travel much, and then that's when you start backpacking. So I never been outside of the country right and all of a sudden you're a 20 year old kid um backpacked through europe through asia i mean it's just it opened up my eyes man um yeah and then then turned that into a passion for like building hostels and i created these great communities where kids from all over the world would you know start their new life in like new york or you know what did you, what did you see or learn going that's one of the things like lizzie talked about with her experience um being the dominican republic and just seeing how other countries live and and anetta talked about when she would go back to poland and the things that she knew that she was getting from being at wizahickon and and getting an american education that she knows that you know she was the cool kid when she went back to poland that she knew that people there weren't getting in their country what did you finally stepping out of the country and going around the world and building these, you know, doing all this, like building this business, what did you learn finally, like opening your eyes to the rest of the world? Any differences or? I mean, where do you start? Right. I think the, I think the world is so big yet. So same at the end of the day. Right. So, you know, my life here in Singapore actually isn't that much different than if I was living in Philadelphia, right. You, you go for a beer with friends. Um, I mean, there are some slight macro differences, obviously, in the way things are run, um, you know, for example, when I go back to the U.S., I, I'm shocked at like the the constant CNN mind space that like politics and that kind of stuff has. Um, but at the end of the day, like I think people are people. Like you know, you you can always connect with someone. I actually, you know what? Actually, it's it's a it's a it's a metaphor for this podcast. At the end of the day, no matter how different somebody is to, there's always something to connect with them on and i think it's a skill that you have to develop that you know somebody who's different from you you can just listen and find something that you have a common bond on um the only the, the problem with us was we didn't get that when we were kids right yeah. but it's a, it's a powerful skill to have when you get older and to be able to connect with people that that aren't the same and somewhere every single person that you ever meet is going to teach you something that you didn't know before, right? That's pretty good. That's a pretty good lesson to learn. Yeah. Um, so. And then, so you, you, at the end of this, you've ended up in Singapore. And what are you, what are you working on now? Um, well, so I work is for that, a couple is that the thing that you can't talk about specifically? No. So, so yeah, no, so I'm still, still with them. But um, I, I work for a company called McKinsey. So it's like a, it's like a consulting company. Um, and so I, I basically work with like Fortune 500 companies um, on helping start new businesses. And honestly, a lot of it is when you talk to them, it's just this fear and this insecurity of just taking that zero to one step, just, just like what you're doing now. Um, so what you're doing is actually very powerful. And all these companies with all these resources and money, they just are slightly scared to take that first step. And um, 
So I just helped them build that new business in whatever country. So why did you stay? And I mean, I, I feel like you've, you've had enough experiences around the world um, to kind of have a, a good understanding of what's out there. What made you stay in Singapore versus any of the other countries that you've been in? You mentioned you were in Amsterdam or coming back to the, to the United States. What, what made you stay out there? Um, I, well, I really love, I really love Singapore. Um, I, I don't know what you've read, but it's a, it's, it's beautiful city. It's safe. Um, it's relatively affordable. Uh, it, plus you're, you're, I think 60 to 70% of the world's population, you're within a four hour flight. So whenever things open back up, obviously you're, you know, if you think about when you're a kid, uh, you can drive from Philadelphia I don't know. What is a four hour radius? Like upstate New York. Yeah. Western, Western PA. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's quite interesting, you know, so, so I, I really love living in Southeast Asia. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, it's a pretty comfortable life over here, but obviously I'm, I'll always be a Philly kid. Right. Yeah. Do you, do you keep tabs uh, with like the area or with any? Yeah, man, I'm, yeah, man, I go through this heartbreak every single year of watching like the Sixers and the Eagles. And I, I don't know, one of these years, I'm just going to grow out of it. But I don't know. I, I imagine it's like 10x for you guys being there, but I can't fucking stand it anymore. It's like heartbreaking. <laughs> I'm just at that point where I almost, you know, during COVID gave me a great excuse to to tune out kind of, of, of a lot of TV and a lot of like sports, especially with no crowd. Uh, but now that yeah. sports are back, man, they like, by the time the Sixers were in the playoffs, I was like, I'm not watching. I hadn't really watched any games. And then by the time, like, like second, third game of the first round, I couldn't, I couldn't stay away anymore. And I, and then I just cursed myself for letting them. Every time you think you're out, they pull you back in. I just cursed them for allowing me to like invest my time and life back into them again. And I was so into it. And then yes, broke my heart. But it, I yeah, spent, a, a, I spent a couple yeah. years like out of the Philly area. Um, up in like New York and stuff. And while not, not as far away from you, like it's, there's no Philly that's, it was Mets and Yankees and and Knicks territory up there. So like I, that passion still burn, whether, you know, just as hard, whether I was in Philly or not. So for you, don't, don't discount your, your passion and the, wonder, and the well, pain that you feel. <laughs> the whole Philly sports thing is actually like a really weird phenomenon. Like we, I don't know what is our why are we so attached to the Sixers and, and the and the Eagles like it, it actually doesn't make any sense right I think we're I think we're uh Philadelphia is a big traditionalist town yeah. uh I think um Pennsylvania for a while had the stat of like more people who are born in Pennsylvania stay in Pennsylvania their entire life than any other state in the country and yeah. I think more than anything else Pennsylvanians and southeast Pennsylvania specifically um, passes down this tradition of, of sports um, that maybe, just, maybe just a lack sticks. Of, maybe it was just a lack of content, right? Like, you know, I, I'll tell you what, I'd rather, I'd much rather root for Lizzie and Anita and hear about their seasons than the Sixers. It's, it's something, it, but that's, that's part of it, right? It's our, it's our parents. Our parents grew up. That's all they had was yeah. was like the sporting events and and there's concerts and you know the way that people like their parents pass around music and this is who we used to see and there's people who are, that's how almost every old school philadelphian is 
with sports. They all have a memory of yeah. the Flyers or the Phillies or the Eagles or the Sixers. And, you know, our teams have been here for a solid, you know, 50 years plus. Whereas yeah. a lot of cities yeah. have gotten new teams that have come in in the last like 30 years or whatever. And it's kind of new to some people, you know, like um, uh, Memphis, you know, there's there's no longtime stories of the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, from the 70s and the 80s in the NBA. But yeah. people have yeah. people have memories of Dr. J, you know, of, of the Sixers in the 70s and the, and the 80s that they've been passing that I grew up with, that, that you grew up with, that everyone has grown up hearing, whether it was your parents or your friend's dad. That's like, oh, I remember going to the to the spectrum or to this arena or to this stadium. And then you get to go there as a kid and it's like this fairy tale come to life. Oh, my God, there it is. That's the thing I watch on TV. That's it. Yeah, it's you know, it's <laughs> it's it's and, I, you know, Boston, New York, some of those really packed per capita cities. Um, I think it, that's very common. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, yeah, man, I just I remember just, I think also it was influential because it was right around the, the ascension of Alan Iverson. And that all had a pretty profound effect on us. Yes, you go into the go into the finals our, our senior year. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I, I you know, I. I think it's the one powerful thing that stuck with me uh, ever since I left Philadelphia. The Sixers and that and that championship run. Yeah, and or also the scars of potential championship. Also, run. the scars of the toxic masculinity of, of our football team. <laughs> Those two things. Those two things. Don't yell at me about blowing the pl- blowing plays, but also Allen Iverson stepping over Tyron Lue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's it's super cool what you're doing. I honestly, I hope this keeps going. I hope you figure out the keep figuring out what works and doesn't work. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, super. It's beginning of something big. Well, this will be the moment then, Jeff, that I go through the yearbook and I check out your actual entry and your picture here, and we see Holy what's moly. what. Yeah, I don't even know what I look like. As a, can I see what I look like? Holy shit! I was actually a pretty decent-looking kid when I was uh, when I was eighteen, huh? Yeah, dude. You look pretty much the same, to be honest. Just I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Just no, no like uh, the the gel, like the crazy spiky jelly. Like it's like the I kind of combed it, but like I kind of combed it, but like not really. I don't really care if it's if it's neat or not. That's funny. Kind of like that. Uh, so let's see, you've got in here, you've got football nine through 12, basketball nine and 10. Um, and then your quote, this is great. Have a little help from my friends, Joe Cocker. I don't even know. Oh, you know what it was? That was, um, the wonder years. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Were you a wonder years fan? Uh, not really. I don't know why I put that in there. (laughs) Right. But actually, (laughs) It's just, I don't know. You don't know what the view. I guess, I guess our, our content creation at, at that age was not the greatest, right? <laughs> but it, it actually, man, do you remember, um, do you remember Carrie McCormick? Yeah. I remember sitting behind her in class when you're in freshman year. And I think we just one day started talking about the Wonder Years. And it was one of those moments where, like, we're, blah, 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 and we just started talking about it. And after the, I don't think I ever talked to her ever again for the rest of high school. But that was your and thing was for that those, moment. It was one of those moments. Yeah. That's so weird that you mentioned that. Um, yeah, that's weird. That's yeah. great. Um, okay. So this is interesting. Uh, Suze, you'll always be my sweetie pie. 
Yeah, which is weird because we never like dated or anything. I just didn't have a date for the for the prom that year and just took a friend. So you're talking Susie Mullet? Yeah, yeah. We like that's such a weird thing to to write. <laughs> and then here we go. This is appropriate. Three amigos, Hav and Tex. That's Zach, right? Tex is Zach. Yeah, Zach. Yeah, we used to get in a lot of trouble. Yeah. yeah, the three amigos. You're my boys. To Breeze and the rest, I'll never forget you guys. Who's Breeze? That's such a rude thing. That's such a Brandon. That's such a no, rude thing Brandon. to say. And the rest. And the rest. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> you know, you call out like a few, you call out like, you know, four people and then uh and then nothing else. You didn't do like the long trail of of uh initials. Yeah, that's a that's a horrible that's a horrible post. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's some that don't have anything, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, man, that's so weird, huh? Yeah, well, Jeff, thank well, you. Uh, this yeah, has been awesome, yeah, honestly, dude. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, if there's ever anything I do, my happy to happy to help out, dude. Yeah, definitely. I'll uh, I'm definitely going to email you and uh, maybe drop some some questions that I'm kind of you know struggling with just process and figuring out what's the smart way to yeah. go about this. Honestly, if, if you want to figure out how to scale or how to platform it or just how to figure out a specific piece. Honestly, I'm happy to help. Awesome. I really appreciate that. Yeah. I, I got to make up for the lost time on me. I don't think, honestly, I don't even think we, did we even say a single word to each other in high school? I don't have any, I mean, I remember you just being there. And then like, I remember that you, uh, knowing that you went to Penn state and after that, never, never had another interaction with you or never like really heard anyone say like, Oh, you know who I ran into Jeff Pan and he's doing this or never anything like that. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for doing this, honestly. No, thank you. You know, that's the cool thing is like when someone, like when you vibe with someone so well that you had zero connection with, and then you do go, fuck, why weren't we friends in high school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know how you always watch those like teen or college movies and it, somehow they have like a radio DJ? I, I don't know I, I don't know in what school that exists, but that would have been you, right? Yeah. <laughs> I wish, I, I always wish that we had that that gig where I could have done like the, the morning <laughs> announcements radio show where I play like music for 30 <laughs> minutes and... Right. Mr. Madden wants everybody to know. <laughs> All right. That was Jeff Pan. Again, thanks again to Jeff. Uh, just that type of conversation. It's like a, just a, a total mood booster uh, for me and motivator. Um, you know, he's he's definitely got some great uh, consulting skills and, and making me believe in me. Um, but again, just thanks again to Jeff for not just that, but uh, you know, sharing a story and uh, some of his experiences and some of his memories about Bethany. So thanks again to Jeff. And if you want to see the video of this interview where Jeff is in Singapore with a, a great view there from his, his window, youtube.com slash redshirtplaya. Don't forget to follow the Facebook and the Instagram at We Weren't Friends in High School. In two weeks, staying with my superstition because I haven't recorded the episode it will be likely happening if you're listening to this on a Monday. I'm probably in the middle of it. It's a nice Monday morning uh, conversation with a guest. If we're keeping to our superstition with not announcing it before it's recorded, it should go well. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast feed. Subscribe to youtube.com slash and come back in two weeks on a Monday morning with my next guest. Later.